Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I have new Mad Balls news, because I know that's what you guys come here each and every week to hear about. New Mad Balls from Kid Robot. These are the foam Mad Balls, if you will recall from my writing on NeedlessThingsSite.com and from my rantings in past episodes of the podcast about the new Mad Balls craze. Kid Robot has done small vinyl keychains. They have done slightly larger mini vinyl Mad Balls. And then they have done these super-sized, like, six-inch diameter super collector mad balls that are like 50 bucks a piece and and look i'd love to have them but i'm not spending 50 bucks on a mad ball Uh, but today at my local comic book shop uh, these foam kid robot mad balls came in which i figured would be pretty much exactly like the original mad balls i mean the the updated kid robot designs of the original characters but i thought they would be Basically the same size and consistency, but they are not. They are larger than the original Mad Balls. Uh, probably half again as large is my guess. I haven't done a side-by-side comparison yet. And they are a sturdier, heartier foam than uh, any of the other foam Mad Balls. They're really nice, and they come in these little mesh bag things. Like if you remember, if you're old like me... And you remember the days where, like, toys would come in these sort of plastic mesh bags with a uh, a cardboard tab stapled to the top? Then that's what these come in. So I'm just going to open them because it's not like the packaging is particularly nice or anything, which is, I think, probably Kid Robot's intention. But uh, they're great. You should check them out, take a look at them, and see what you think of the uh, Kid Robot foam Mad Balls. They're like old school. I love them, and I love the fact that we're getting all these Mad Balls. Okay, next up is Toy Lanta, also known as Joe Lanta and the Great Atlanta Toy Convention. Now, if you listened to episode 149, last week's episode of the Needless Things podcast, with Buddy Finnethy, who is uh, the one of the founders, possibly the founder. We didn't. I, I didn't narrow that down. I failed as an interviewer, which I sometimes do. Uh, don't tell anybody. Uh, Buddy Finnethy, one of the founders of Jolanta, uh, and thusly one of the founders of Toylanta, it was on the show. We had a great conversation that I've actually gotten a, a lot of good feedback about, so thanks, Buddy. I appreciate that. But this weekend, as in starting today on March the 10th, if you're listening to this as it goes up, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't be, uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Marriott Century Center in Atlanta. An incredible gathering of toy dealers, customizers, uh, enthusiasts of all manner. There will be cosplayers. There are panels. And the Needless Things panel, Toy Stories, a new installment and a slightly new version of Toy Stories, always interactive, is at 2 p.m. on Sunday, March the 12th. 
Uh, there's a Facebook event page. If you go to the Needless Things podcast Facebook group and join that, you will see the event page. I encourage you to do so, even if you can't make it to the actual event. Uh, we will all be there hanging out, having a, a fun old time recording a live Needless Things podcast. There will be prizes, of course, and there will be lots of interaction and a great time will be had by all. Saturday night at 10 o'clock at Jolanta, I will be emceeing Radio Cult's big old rock and roll show. I did this a couple of years ago. It's a great time. If you are in the area, if you are at Jolanta, I will be there. Uh, Rad Ranger will be there. Our pal Ryan Cadaver will be there. As a matter of fact, the entire Needless Commentary crew may well be there if we can talk uh, grumpy old Arian into going over there with us too. Although he's, uh, you, you won't recognize him now. Because the guy, I'm, I'm very jealous. He he is uh, he is sticking to a plan, and the guy looks great, uh, better than I've ever seen him. And I've known him for oh, 17, 18 years now, something like that. Uh, but uh, we, we will potentially all be there, but at the very least, myself, Ryan Cadaver, the Casket Creatures, uh, and Ryan and Derek's Horror Hour, and Rad Ranger, uh, well, yes, and Ryan, Ryan also of Rad Rangers Radical Radcast. Uh, anyway, there will be a bunch of nerds there. Big surprise at, at Toylanta at the Radio Cult Show. So come out to that. Say hi. I will be down there Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday all day during the day. So if you see me, come up, say hi. Remember, I don't have any peripheral vision and I don't know what you look like as well as you know what I look like. Keep that in mind if initially I'm a little like standoffish, uh, which happens sometimes because I'm a six foot four guy in a mask. And you never quite know what people are coming up to you with. Uh, so if, if you know me from the podcast, uh, let me know who you are and, and say hi and, uh, get, get me, uh, get me off the, the, the nervous, uh, tension that I, that I'm always riding a wave of when I'm walking around by myself at shows, not knowing what to expect, uh, especially at Toylanta, where I, I love it, but they don't always love me. And you can hear more about that if you want at supportphantom.com, where you can hear the episodes of the exclusive Needless Things patron cast. And I'll be posting a new... Uh, a new article up there, a, a spoken word article, if you will, called The Poo Nightmare. That'll be going up uh, within the next week, I'll say. I don't know that I'll have time before Toylanta happens, but it'll be going up. So go to supportphantom.com, see what level you're comfortable supporting. And also, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy needlessthingssite.com, and if you enjoy shopping on amazon.com, you can combine all of those things together and help me out at no additional cost. Go to needlessthingssite.com. Click on the big, giant Amazon square in the top right of the, the site on the front page. You're right there on the front page. You don't even have to go anywhere else. Click on that. You don't have to buy the stuff that's in that block. But once you've gone through that portal and you're in the world of Amazon, from there you can go anywhere in Amazon and buy anything you want. If you need batteries, if you need underpants, if you need socks, if you need a hat, uh, if, if you need... Uh, a baby carriage, if you need a windsock, anything, 
You can go through that portal on needlessthingssite.com and buy whatever you want. And Needless Things gets a little kickback from Amazon, just a little tiny bit. And it doesn't cost you any extra to do this. So I know you're going to be shopping on Amazon sometime soon. Maybe you need some sunglasses. Maybe you need a luchador mask. Don't infringe on my gimmick, you son of a gun. Uh, but go go to Amazon through Needless Things, buy your stuff, and uh, help out the site. We appreciate it. Okay, upcoming shows on the Needless Things podcast. I have two very exciting – well, I, I, every show is very exciting because I've actually got a few, quite a few laid out for the next couple of months. But I'm going to go ahead and hype one show, and, and I'm not going to put a date on it. I know when it's supposed to happen, but I don't want to hype it until it's for sure happened. But I will tell you this. One of the earliest guests of the Needless Things podcast, a huge supporter of Phantom Troublemaker, a huge supporter of Needless Things, a man that I respect uh, as much as I respect any man, and a big inspiration to me, Mr. Stephen Platinum will be returning to the Needless Things podcast for a very special double header. They're going to be two different episodes on entirely different topics uh, where me and Stephen Platinum sit down and blow your freaking minds. And that's all I'm going to say about that right now. And then another thing I'm going to throw out there. Again, I don't want to confirm too much because as you guys all know, and certainly as I know from years of podcast heartbreak, uh, things don't always come through. But I'm just going to throw this out there. Go to Facebook and look up Space Babes from Outer Space and see if that floats your starship. That's all I'm going to say. Check that out and stay tuned to NeedlessThingsSite.com. And also, uh, I'll go ahead and do this up front since I never do this up front. Uh, go to Facebook and join the, the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, which I already said. Uh Find me, L. Phantasmus, because they would not let me call myself Phantom Troublemaker. That's L. Phantasmus with a PH on Twitter. I'm Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram. Uh, I think I'm just Phantom Troublemaker, but it might also be Phantom Troublemaker. But if you look up Phantom Troublemaker or hashtag Phantom Troublemaker, you'll find me. It's very easy to find Phantom Troublemaker uh, because if you Google that, that's me. I, I am the number one result for Phantom Troublemaker. Unfortunately, Needless Things is not always the number one result for Needless Things uh, because it will correct you to Needful Things, which I didn't really think about when I was naming the site. Uh, but what are you going to do? Uh, Phantom Troublemaker at blogspot.com just wasn't getting at you guys. All right, so I think I've covered enough business for one day. Now it's time to tell you what today's episode is, which I will assume you know, uh, because I assume all kinds of crazy things all the time that are sometimes wrong, but not always. Matter of fact, not even often. Today's episode is me and your pal Beth talking about Resident Evil, just having a conversation. We're not trying to like dissect it or, or necessarily run down the entire history of the franchise or anything like that. We're just sitting down with a list of what's been done and exchanging thoughts about it, exchanging memories about it, uh, and and I think you're going to enjoy it. I just wanted to talk to, to one of my oldest friends about 
the world's biggest zombie franchise that both of us and and I didn't even remember this but that both of us kind of discovered together way back in the day so there you go first enjoy some mystery men which you can find at mysterymenofsurf.com and then enjoy some hardcore zombie action Okay, this one's been kind of a long time coming. Uh, the delays of real life have pushed this one back a couple of times, but now we are going to do it. We're going to talk about Resident Evil, a little bit about the games, a little bit about the movies, kind of just a conversation uh, between me and one of my oldest pals. Beth, how are you doing today? I'm super fantastic today. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm getting there. I feel like I'm in the opening stages of a T-virus infection, but it's okay. I'm, I've got my giant uh, cup of water here. I took some Sudafed, and uh, I do feel better than I did two days ago, so that's something. If I need to come over and, you know, take care of you, as in kill you, let me know. Yeah. Yeah, or if, if you <laughs> I don't have, want you to advance. <laughs> if you have any odd coil-shaped containers of green fluid, uh, I, I would take one of those as well. I'm saving those for myself when the time comes. Oh wait, is it green sorry, or blue? Is, is the green or blue the antivirus? I can't remember now. I, I thought the green was the antivirus. I think so. Green means go. It's good, right? Yeah, green means good. All right, we'll go with that. All right, so uh, the reason you are on is because we, we've known each other for going on twenty years now, something like that. And for as long as I've known you, you've been playing video games. And you are one of the few people that I think enjoys the Resident Evil movies as enthusiastically as I do, for the most part. For the most part. But we'll talk about the movies in a little bit. First, I want to talk about the video games. Uh, and, and we can't go into too much detail because, because, one, I am not a gamer. I am somebody who has played some video games. So my recollection isn't great on some of them. And I certainly did not finish all of the ones that I played because I am not one who finishes video games for the most part. Like, I I have a list. I could probably count on my hands the number of games that I've completed. Well, that's not fair. I, I The number of games that I have completed is less than 30. How about that? Well, it depends on how many fingers you have. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. You're right. And, and being Resident Evil, uh, if I do mutate in some way, I could end up with 30 fingers. So that, that could still be a full statement. Uh, I don't totally remember the first, like, how I found out about Resident Evil. Uh, it came out, the first one came out in 96. Uh, and it was on the PlayStation 1. And for those of you listening that are gamers, yes, I understand it came out in Japan on some other named system, uh, whatever. We're talking about American releases. We we didn't live in Japan back yeah, then. So yeah, right. And nor do we live in Japan now. Yeah. Uh, but I, the only thing I remember thinking about it before playing it was that's a dumb name. <laughs> like, <laughs> Resident Evil. And, and, you know, the, the, banned the residents aside who are creepy in their own way the word resident is like one of the least intimidating things i've ever heard 
So that that was my first impression of the game. Well, You're... the Japanese the Japanese name is Biohazard, and that's not super scary either because that makes me think of like nuclear waste or the band. Yeah, or the band. <laughs> so even in Japanese, it's not scary either. But I think Biohazard's a better name than Resident Evil. Well, yeah. But, uh, so anyway, the silly name aside, somehow or other, I ended up with the game. And I, I don't, I worked in video, for not being a gamer, I've worked in a lot of video game stores. Uh, I worked in a place called Video Game Exchange in 94 and 95. And then in the late 90s, worked at Electronics Boutique, which doesn't sound so much like a video game store as it does like a place that sells batteries for vibrators. Uh, <laughs> and I totally stole that joke from someone. I can't remember who. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I know, or back in the day, knew of video games, even though I wasn't necessarily like the guy that, that sat down and devoted two days straight to them. Uh, but I, I did end up playing Resident Evil at some point. And it's funny how much the first one stands out to me, even though it's not my favorite or the best, but I remember key moments from that first one being just terrifying, even though they're these, you know, polygonal characters with the frustrating camera angles and everything else, which granted the frustrating camera angles were to add to the tension. But I I mean, I remember this game scaring me. Do you remember playing through the first one at all? Actually, it's really funny that you talk about not being a gamer and and not really knowing the game and any of that because my first exposure to Resident Evil was when we all lived together and I was still playing Nintendo 64 and thinking GoldenEye was the height of tension and excitement. And then I would go into your room where you were playing either a Final Fantasy game, which you got me hooked on Final Fantasy, or I'd watch you play Resident Evil, and I was so freaked out by it that I was like, I can't play this game. You would try to give me the controller. I was like, no, 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 I can't play this. This is terrifying. I can't touch this. That's so and funny. It, I, I didn't even re- realize that, that that's where that came from. Yeah, I was I was playing like Zelda games and, and Mario games and enjoying my cute little Nintendo world <laughs> until I met you. With my big and fancy place, my my big fancy grown up PlayStation. Your big grown up PlayStation, <laughs> where there were zombies and shit, and it wasn't that zombies scared me. Zombies have never scared me, but the fact that the controller sucked so bad and the camera angles kept jerking around and it terrified the living shit out of me. Well, it created and tension I, effectively. I mean, it wasn't even necessarily. The scares, it was waiting for the scares. No, because when you walk down that that first hallway with all the windows in it, you know something is coming through those fucking windows. Right. And then you're just waiting for it to come through the windows. And when the dog finally jumps through the window, you're like, I knew it was coming, but ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful the way that they created that that mood. Uh so that's funny. I, I didn't have, now was I a dick about, uh, oh, are you playing a Nintendo for? Look at my cool PlayStation. No, you were not at all. Okay, you wouldn't that's really good to play know. Nintendo games with us because you, you didn't really, you weren't super into gaming. So you never sat in on any of our four hour GoldenEye sessions or anything, but. I feel like, I feel like every once in a while I did, but I just sucked at it and, and it wasn't, inter- <laughs> if I sucked, I, I wasn't interested in something. 
which is kind of which is kind of what Terry does is he played as he would let us he would play with us if we let him play as odd job right right which is, bas- which is basically cheating yeah 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 um, so otherwise he would get mad and quit so I I watched you play Resident Evil and then eventually when I graduated to a real console which was <laughs> PS2. I started playing horror survival games then. I was like, oh, okay, now I understand. Now I get why they're fun. Now I can handle it. Once I get used to the 12,000 buttons on that controller. Because <laughs> Nintendo didn't work that way. Uh, right. It, well, it did seem overwhelming at the time, didn't it? That that PlayStation controller. It The first Probably six months I had it. I didn't even know what half the buttons did. I just punched buttons. It was like when I used to play wrestling games with you guys, and I would just hit buttons and hope something happened. That's so funny to think back to, to how primitive we were. <laughs> and now now we play complicated things like, uh, well, eventually Final Fantasy fifteen. I still haven't gotten around to it. Uh, uh, so- I'm, I'm still on thirteen, But I did go on to play all, what, Resident Evil 1 through... I think I played through 6. Yeah, you stuck with it a lot better than I did. No, I played through... I played up to 5, and then 5 was so similar to 4 that I couldn't really get into it because the controls and everything was too much the same. Well, the first one, uh, we we dug it, and so did everybody else in the world, so they made a second one, and it, it came out... Now, before the second one came out, they did a director's cut... Because the second one took so long to develop, which it's funny to look back and think that two years later was a long time to develop. But uh, they released Resident Evil, the director's cut in 97, which had some enhancements over the original game. Uh, it changed the locations of the enemies and all the like stuff you find. And was, you know, it was what it was. But in 1998, they released the actual Resident Evil 2 and I remember this one blowing me away because you start outside in Raccoon City. I do remember that. And I remember being way more scared because there were all the, the dark alleyways and the yes. tunnels and the sewers. And it's our first introduction to Leon, who is the star of Resident Evil 4. Well, it was interesting because... This one, you know, the original Resident Evil had different endings. You know, depending on who you saved and what you did, you could have, I think each character had four different endings. Uh, well, technically there were only four different endings because each character had kind of the same path. But, you know, it, it was at the time, seemed like a huge deal that you could get these different endings. Uh, and even, then, if, even if they were basically the same ending. Uh, yeah, that well, in one... Everybody gets away, and one, just two of you get away, and one, the mansion blows up, and one, the mansion doesn't blow up. Like, they're, you know, they're, they're, I guess, significant in narrative terms, but not that significant in actual, like, terms of a video game. But Resident Evil 2 actually had branching stories, uh, which was more like a, an element from role-playing games. And, and you hadn't seen a whole lot in other types, I guess, at that point. And, uh, but I just remember them using, you know, like you said, the fact that you were outside was somehow scarier than being in the mansion. But, and you'd think being locked in a mansion with zombies would be pretty terrifying, but being outside was almost worse 
because you never knew where they were going to come from or how many there were going to be or what was going to happen. Like, I, I just remember, too, feeling like part of its success was that it felt so much bigger than the first one. Kind of in the same well, way that uh, Arkham City felt bigger than Arkham Asylum. In the first one, you could just, you know, oh, oh, here's a closet. I'm just going to go hide in this closet for a minute. I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to think about my next move. But when you're outside in Raccoon City, there is none of that. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to run to. There's zombies crawling ev- literally everywhere. And I'll get to the differences in the game and the movie when we get to that point when we talk about the movies. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> there, there... there's just there's so much more going on in the second game that it's just overwhelming, and there's so many different characters, and and there's so many different paths you can take, and and some of them are horrible, and some of them are okay, and some of them are good, but it's all really, really nerve grating. It's it's one of those where you can't play it right before you want to go to bed because you have to calm down afterwards. Or at least at the time. I don't know how right. it is to play it again now. But at the time, I was like, okay, I need to go have a cigarette and chill out. <laughs> well, and calm I... Calm down. <laughs> we, we are kind of just glossing over these because, I mean, it's definitely been almost 20 years since I've played these early ones. And, and I would guess it's probably about the same for you. Oh, yeah. At least the first three I have not played in ages. And I never played several of the other spinoff side games so uh nemesis managed to do a whole new thing where the titular character nemesis was the big bad of the game but rather than being something that uh like tyrant that you ran into at the very end nemesis is chasing you through the whole game and you never know when it was going to show up and attack you or what was going to happen so you're you play through the whole game and you could have a boss battle at any time because this thing's going to come tearing after you. And it was scary as shit. I just remember being super frustrated by it because I, I'm i used to games, or I was especially at the time, used to games where I know when the boss battle's coming. Right. I've built up to it. Right. There's a development, and I know, okay, I just did something hard, or, oh, I just solved a puzzle, now it's boss battle time. I, I wanted to know when my boss battles were coming so that I could mentally prepare for it. <laughs> but it did not give you that option. Yeah, and I, I just, mean... It just jumped out whenever, wherever, and and that frustrated the crap out of me. And at the time, I remember feeling the same way, that that it was kind of bullshit. But looking back on it, it made for a video game experience that stands out. Because I, I very clear, just as much as I remember... Uh, running into that first zombie uh, in Resident Evil or the dogs jumping through the windows. It's funny that you mentioned that because that's one of the things I had written down in my notes was the dogs uh, jumping through the windows. But I remember Nemesis just being relentless in this game and just popping up when you didn't expect, like you said, a boss battle. Because video games for years had been training us on how boss battles work. And that's that was why it was so clever of them to go against that against the expectations and to mess with our minds in that way. So in 2000, uh, we got a first person shooter called resident evil survivor. 
in Europe and Japan, this actually incorporated the PlayStation's light gun. But in America, uh, because people were just as dumb in 2000 as they are now, they chose to remove the light gun functionality because video game light guns were going to cause real-life shootings. So you had a first-person shooter light gun game, like House of the Dead or whatever. You know, not not like Goldeneye or something like that, but more of a rail shooter type thing uh, that did not use a light gun. And they said, fuck it, we're going to release it anyway. Did you play this one at all? I did not play that one at all, and I don't understand the gun thing. So was it like a plastic gun that you could use? Yeah, yeah. It was like the, <laughs> remember the old Nintendo light gun? That's what I was going to ask. So, like, when Duck Hunt came out, did people get killed? <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> School shootings went up across the board because of Duck Hunt and, uh, oh, what was, what was the other dumb NES? Uh, I can't remember the other light. Uh, Hogan's Alley and Duck Hunt. Uh, murders Duck, everywhere. Duck Hunt was the only one I played, but, yeah, ducks dying left and right, people shooting dogs who were laughing at them. It was madness. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Sur- Survivor came out and, uh, w- was a huge turd. And, and actually, I think the first big failure of the series, uh, because up to that point, all we had were the first three games in the director's cut. Uh, but also in 2000, the saving grace and my personal favorite Resident Evil game, uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica was released for the Dreamcast. And. What? The. <laughs> yes. How is that your favorite? Uh, because I love it. I, I love, I enjoy, now, okay, I say it's my favorite in that it is the one out of the ones that I have played that I remember the most fondly and remember enjoying the most. Uh, that, you know, I played it 17 years ago, so you gotta think my context is probably a little out of whack, and I'll get into detail on some of the later games and why they don't match up for me, but, I loved Code Veronica. The graphics blew me away. Uh, I felt like the controls, the inventory system, and everything were so much better. It just felt like it's, it is one of the biggest leaps from current gen to next gen I've ever played. And I, I, I totally dug it. I, I did play it. It's one of the few Resident Evil games I didn't finish because I did not I did not care for the jumping back and forth in the storylines. And this person had to go do this thing before this other person could go do this thing. I hate that shit. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. But I, I, for whatever reason, I dug the narrative flips. Maybe it's uh, maybe I saw it as some kind of Tarantino thing. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> for for me, it worked. And uh, I would love to play this one again, and I'm sure it's been released. Because a lot of these, for for the listeners, uh, a lot of these have been remastered, upgraded to high def, and released on, like, PlayStation Network and Xbox, whatever the Xbox download system is. Uh, and you can go back and play a lot of these games. And I'm, I'm curious to do it with some of them. Not all of them, though, which uh, we will get to in a moment. So what your code Veronica not not a big win for you? I like I said I just didn't like the jumping back and forth and I I want to follow 
even if I have to go back and replay a game to follow a different character storyline, I like to follow a character through right, a game right. rather See, than jumping back and forth. And I, I'm a replayer. If there's a different story through going back and, and playing it as a different character or following a different path, I'll go do it because I'll right. look up and read what path did I miss. Oh, I should go replay this. So I, I like replayability in a game, especially now when games are 60, 70 bucks a piece. And no kidding. I, I need to be able to replay that shit. Yeah. And of course, back then games were cheaper, but. Well, they were much cheaper, cheaper though. I mean, they I were. I was much, much younger and making a lot less money. Uh, it's, it's amazing in that there's probably a whole podcast to be had around the topic of the evolution of video games, but video games have been right around 50 bucks since the early 80s when they first started coming out. And it's well, only when we got the $10 price hike with the current gen uh, that the prices went up at all. Well, it's well known that companies don't make their money from the console sales. They make right, their money right. from game sales. So uh, they have to charge that much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And well, and that's, I mean, we're, but and I'm just saying we're lucky that in the past 40 years, we've really only seen one major price hike. True. That's that's pretty amazing, especially as complex as the games are now. Uh, so Code Veronica uh, went went on to uh, great fame and adoration from some, and not so much from others. But then in two thousand two, we got okay, and I tried to check my facts on this, and I I couldn't seem to find anything to verify it, but in my memory. Uh, the remastered Resident Evil for GameCube was the first mature game on a Nintendo system. Is that correct? Uh, I thought it came out originally... Okay, so I think they started it for the N64, but the N64 was on its way out. That was Resident Res Evil Zero. Yes, Resident Evil Zero ended up coming out for the GameCube, though. And that was when the Resident Evil franchise, Capcom signed an exclusive deal with Nintendo to do all Resident Evil games on Nintendo for whatever period of time they did it for. I think it was... I think they only went through Resident Evil 4 where it was exclusive. Yeah, but I that think was, that's right. It was, it was well, the first time they had grown-up games on Nintendo. Well, and it wasn't necessarily exclusive because I think some of them ended up coming out like they did later. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was like exclusive first release. Nintendo right, got exclusive right. first rights to everything for, I don't know, five, six years, something like that. But what I think what happened with Resident Evil Zero is the same thing that happened with Resident Evil 2, or, or a similar situation where Zero was originally being developed for the 64, and it just wasn't... The, they couldn't put it on a cartridge, basically. And they scrapped it and had to start over... And that's why we got the Resident Evil remastered version for GameCube. Right. Because it, it they put it out as kind of a placeholder like they did with the Resident Evil Director's Cut. And it looked incredible, but it played basically just like Resident Evil. So for me, like it was nice to look at, but I didn't really have any interest in playing it again. Did, did you pick that one up at all? I, I think I played. I might have borrowed it from somebody, and I played it, and I said, "Meh." Yeah. They have not fixed any of the problems that I had with this game, and and 
really my only problems with the earlier games was the controls. Right. Because they were great games. I just could not handle the controls. The controls frustrated me more than anything else that happened. Any boss battle, anything else that happened. You know, however many herbs I needed that I could not find <laughs> when I needed them. The well, green herbs were never there, but the controls made me angrier than any of that other stuff. You know, not being able to save whenever the hell you want to do. Well, and that's kind of the, one of the magical things about video games is like the to, for me, the graphics have never been a problem because once you've immersed yourself into that world, you're kind of just along for the ride. Like, yes, more realistic graphics are wonderful, but like once you've sat down and decided to play a game, whatever the graphics being offered are, or what you've got, and you just play the game. So, like for yeah, me, I don't care. there there were other things to address with that first Resident Evil over the graphics, and just prettying it up did not make it more desirable to play through again. No, because I could still sit down and play Goldeneye on my N sixty four, which I still have, if I could ever figure out how to hook it up again. <laughs> to my fancy new TV. Right. But I, I could sit down and play it and not even give a crap about how blocky and octagonal everything looks, as long as it's still a good game to play, which is where they ended up failing when they tried to remake GoldenEye and everything looks completely different and it's it's not the same game. So Resident Evil Zero did finally come out. Uh I remember playing it, but I don't remember much about it except that it had some kind of partner system, and I hated it. What's your recollection? I, I, I know I played it, and I do remember the partnership thing. That could even be what I was thinking about with the last game we were talking about, was the, the partnership thing, where one person had to go hit a lever over here so that you could go hit another lever in another place or some crap like that. That's almost as bad as a babysitting mission. Yeah. Almost and, and now that you say that, that makes sense because with Code Veronica, like I, I know you went back and forth between Claire and Chris, but I don't think it was one of those things where it was necessary to progress the narrative. Like it was just how the story went. Whereas yeah. I think you're right. I think Zero... Like, somebody would get somewhere, and then you'd have to take control of the other one and get them to the other spot and do... Like, it was it was really annoying. It, it's why Lego Marvel pissed me off, because, okay, first you have to do this as this person, then you have to go back and do this as this person, and then this person has to come and do this thing. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, and you're right. That one, uh, most of the Lego games have been fantastic, and I still enjoyed that one, but you're right. There was way too much of, like... Okay, you got this done. Now you have to go and get this person and and get this done in order to. Uh, it's just like, ugh. especially when the characters are only standing three feet away. Right. Uh, on Resident Evil Zero, at least they were in different places doing different things most <laughs> right. of the time. Right, right. But but not when somebody's standing right next to you. <laughs> well, moving down my notes, I have 2003 Resident Evil Dead Aim, and all I have written down is nope. I didn't even play it. I have no idea. So we'll just move on. Uh, 2000, <laughs> 2003 Resident Evil Outbreak, which I was working at GameStop at the time, and this was a huge deal because it was one of the few... Uh, PlayStation 2 
had a very primitive form of online multiplayer for some of the games. Uh, Final Fantasy XI, I think it was, was one of the games that was available. And I just, my, my overwhelming memory of PlayStation 2's online multiplayer is that anytime people talked about it, they were frustrated. Like very, very rarely did I hear it was an awesome experience. Uh, from working in the store, I just remember people almost always being angry at it. And anytime they bought one of the games that was compatible with it, they would come back in pissed off about something. Did you mess with this at all? I don't think so. Um, I, I looked it over and it did not sound familiar. I know that I did not have online play at the time. Oh, well, this was only online. There was no single-player game. Yeah, I think I might have looked at it with someone else, but I, I didn't play online at the time. And I still don't really play online unless it's with someone I know because I don't like getting yelled at by 12-year-olds. Yeah, nobody does. <laughs> well, some people do, apparently, because online some, games are some huge. Some people do. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but this game, you know, I have no experience with it, but I do know that it was huge. It sold like crazy. Uh, because it was one of the few dedicated online games for the PlayStation 2, and there were people that were really super into that. So it was almost one of those things where if a game company could figure out a way to release something to use that technology, their game was going to sell like crazy, just because the dedicated fans were going to buy anything that used that. Uh, so uh, kind of a... An interesting footnote in the history of Resident Evil, something they dabbled in and something we haven't seen again since, even though, you know, now online multiplayer is, is the norm. Uh, 2005, we get Resident Evil 4. Uh, I Which was, is the best one. <laughs> I was still working in GameStop at the time, and we had the demo in the store and I played that demo because we had it in a kiosk for months before the game came out because uh, I feel like it got delayed, uh, which, uh, you know, a, a Resident Evil game on a Nintendo system getting delayed? Get right out of town. Shut your mouth. Uh, but I played that demo so many times because just the demo was awesome. Uh, you're, you're Leon stuck in this village, and you don't really know what's going on. The control is different from any other Resident Evil, and is it is a control system that basically every third-person shooter has now adopted, uh, including the Batman Arkham games. And it's that over-the-shoulder uh, thing, and, and it just I loved that demo. And then the game came out, and I got to the escort mission, and I stopped because fuck that noise, uh, Beth. You okay, love this so game. I love this game, and I agree. Fuck escort missions. Fuck them right in the ass. I I will play that game again and again and again if I could skip the escort missions. If there was a button I could push, like you know, at certain games once you, once you beat them, you could unlock different modes. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. there was a skip. Escorting that useless bitch around mode, I would play that game once a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's so fucking good. But and, I hate it, the I hate any babysitting mission in any game. It doesn't matter what game it is. Yeah. I don't like babysitting. And it, and it really is. I mean, this one, 
like I said about Code Veronica, was such a massive upgrade over everything else we had seen. Uh, the graphics were unbelievable. And, and the GameCube, you know, for its part, is one of my sentimental favorite video game systems. I, I played a lot of games on the GameCube at a time where I kind of was getting less interested in gaming because my job was to talk to gamers all day. I can see where that would be a little wearing. <laughs> but the GameCube... As a gamer, yeah, I can see that. Some of my favorite games came out on that system. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine is my favorite Mario game. Uh, just, it, it was, it was a great system. It was solid. It was the only, it was the only system at the time that we didn't get returned constantly because it was breaking down. Uh, no, I, if I plugged mine in now, if I could figure that out, I am sure that it would still work. Yes, absolutely. I, I and I, I pre-ordered every Zelda game they had for it back when you used to be able to get really good stuff from GameStop for pre-ordering. Yeah. Like I, I loved that system. Well, we'll have we'll have to do an episode on the GameCube at some point because it, it was a very good system. But before we do that, we've got to talk about <laughs> the Umbrella Chronicles on the Wii. I never had a Wii. I, I've never played that game with anyone who had a Wii because every time I'm with someone who has a Wii, it's at a party and we're playing cutesy bowling games or some crap. Right, right, right. Well, my, my son's got a Wii. Uh, we do not have this game, and I didn't even know about this game until I was putting my notes together for the show. But now I want to play it because it's a rail shooter like House of the Dead. And oh, the the Wii's, you know, just because of the way the Wii were. Well, we've even got a gun for the Wii. Uh, like you just plug the controller into this gun thing. Uh, what? Don't people die from that? Uh, right, I know. It's crazy. They probably don't make them anymore. Uh, but I want to go pick these up, and I bet I can do it for like less than 10 bucks each. So, uh, I'm there's, sure you could. Uh, right. There's the Umbrella uh, Chronicles and the Dark Side Chronicles, and I want to check them out. Because I, I love House of the Dead. Uh, I hate it in the arcade because, you know, you can spend $20 on it and not uh, I used to spend $20 on it when I went to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> but Cause I, it was the only zombie game they had. I spent 20 bucks a night on House of the Dead and it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, 2009, we get Resident Evil 5, which I never eat. Well, one, I was, uh, no longer, I, I was at my current job. And, uh, really not playing video games at all in 2009. Uh, but I did sort of follow along just because I love Resident Evil, uh, you know, the franchise as a whole. But this one, as soon as I saw the, the co-op elements, I was not interested. And, and that was my big problem with the game was there wasn't really a way to play it by yourself. And I didn't have people who would come over to my house on a regular basis and hang out and want to play zombie video games with me. Right, you're not going to spend 60 bucks on a game that you're only going to be able to play, like, dependent upon other human interaction. That that goes against yeah. everything video games stand for. Exactly, and I have a husband and everything, but <laughs> he, he would go off... Okay, so the first time we played... I can't even imagine. <laughs> I was like, okay, so tactical plan... Okay, these zombies are over there. These guys, we have to get past them over here. Okay, so you flank left. I'm going to flank right. We're going to meet in the middle. We're going to take down the big guy. He would just go running, just off into sure. nowhere. Yeah, he was yeah. just gone. Yeah, so I can see that. 
you you can't play you can't play a co-op game with someone who's not really a co-op person. This is the guy that figured out in one of the wrestling games that you could set up a table and a chair and sit down in the chair at the table. <laughs> and so like mid-match, he would just go set up a table and chair and just sit down. <laughs> so, yeah. I uh yeah. You you should have seen his roller coaster tycoon worlds that he built. It was just it was just pandas. He would just fill he would fill an entire park with pandas. There were no rides, there were no bathrooms, there were no custodians, nothing. And then he would get people in, remove the exits, and it's just pandas everywhere. <laughs> it is the worst right. thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Uh, so Resident Evil 5, pretty much a pass. And then we get to 2012, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. And I just have a question mark. Well, okay, so I talked to Keith about this game because he bought it when it came out. And I really was interested in it because I was interested in seeing it from the other side. And I thought, oh, that could be an interesting story, is to see it from... I think it was supposed to be told from the umbrella side of the story. Right. It's like and, the first, it's the first, what, one or two games? Or yeah. The, from, from the umbrella's point of view, from right. the, the guys who work for umbrella. Right. And I thought that could be really interesting. And then Keith got it and said, no, this is the worst game I've ever played. And he played <laughs> Jaws. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, no good there. Uh, we were wise to pass. And then 2013, Resident Evil 6, and I'm realizing now my question marks are because I just, uh, I didn't play them, wasn't really aware of them. So Resident Evil 6, what happened with that one? Um, I'm trying to think if I even played that one. Was And I know it came out on 360. I think I was just kind of done at that point. Maybe I was just bored. Maybe Resident Evil 5 turned me off. I'm trying to think when Left 4 Dead came out. Because I know I started playing uh, Left 4 Dead almost as soon as it came out. Well, Left 4 Dead was definitely out by 2013. And I know I had a 360 by then. Okay. So So I think that I had just kind of moved on at that point. Right, right. Yeah, and that's understandable because, I mean, I was... And I was playing Dead Rising, I was playing Left 4 Dead, I was playing the new series that came out. Right, well, and that's, you know, at that point, Resident Evil, I I don't even remember 6 coming out, I don't remember any kind of fanfare about it or anything. And I, like I said, I was kind of maintaining an awareness of the franchise. Uh, Last year, we got Umbrella Corps, which was a shooter. And then this year, Resident Evil 7 on the PlayStation 4. Uh, I played the demo, and the first time I sat down to play it, it was like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I played for a few minutes and stopped because it was too... I'm an old man. I cannot (laughs) sit in a dark house playing a creepy, realistic graphics video game is what I learned. That shit was freaking me out. I, I was... If you have played this demo... You wake up in in a house in in the filthiest, nastiest house you've ever seen, and you have to open doors and move through the hallways. In a, in a way, it's somewhat similar to the first game. 
uh, except you have much more control over the camera, the movement, and and everything. But but setting wise, it's very similar uh, similar experience. And every time I opened a door, I would like open it and jump back. I was hugging the walls, like trying to look around corners and move past dark rooms, and it was just it was very intense. I I, I told a buddy of mine that I I don't think I would even be able to play it in uh, the virtual reality. Because I guess it's set up for however that works. Like you can play it oh, that God. way, right? No. Yeah, yeah. So I, I played this demo, and I, I eventually got all the way through it. But it was only when I got my wife to sit down, and because she she loves these games too, but just doesn't. Uh, she won't sit down and and just play any video game just on her own. But uh, she'll she'll hang out and watch them, or or if it's two player, play them. So I'm like, you're gonna have to come and sit and hang out with me while I Hold play my this. Hand. Yeah, seriously, I'm not even kidding. I'm not ashamed. This is freaking <laughs> me out. Uh, but I did finally get all the way through to one of the uh, endings in the demo, and it was pretty awesome. And I want to play the game now. And and I hear great things about. Well, I hear mostly great things. But uh, one of my buddies, of course, finished it. I I, I know a number of uh, what I call young people. And one of the young people I know finished the game after a couple of days, and are, I are the young are the young people thirty. The young people are thirty, Beth. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it it hurts my soul. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's where we are now with the video games. As Resident Evil Seven came out, uh, it is very popular. People dig it, and uh, it, apparently, at one point, the narrative kind of ruins the suspense but otherwise it's it's a pretty great great game and uh some point i will buy it well i i read a synopsis of it and i watched the trailer and then i looked at the screenshots that you posted and okay so the storyline at first reminded me a lot of silent hill because it's a man looking for his dead wife blah 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 and then i read more and kept reading and i said oh actually this sounds really interesting but as the wife of a musician I don't have Xbox One money right now, so I will just be holding <laughs> off on that until Terry's band hits it big. Which I'm sure will happen, uh, thanks well, to the fact... I'm sure it'll happen, like, immediately. Thanks to the fact that they provide the interstitial music for the Needless Things podcast. I mean, what better exposure could there be? Surf music is blowing up all over the world. Come on. The kids love it. <laughs> the 30-year-olds love it. <laughs> All right, so now it's time to talk a little bit about the movies. Uh, I was thrilled for the first Resident Evil movie that came out in 2002 because it starred Mila Jovovich. No, I'm just kidding. I, at the time, I don't even know how aware of her I was. Uh, I was thrilled because it was directed by the same guy that did Mortal Kombat. Which was a gr- which was and still is one of the greatest video game movies of all time. It was a movie. What? Come on! <laughs> you don't love Mortal Kombat? Uh, I enjoy the game. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Res- <laughs> Resident Evil came out, and I I cannot remember the first time I watched it. Uh, those are some fuzzy years for me, for very specific reasons, and uh, my my memory was affected by certain self-medications let's just say uh, which I regret to this day so I don't know if I saw it in the theater I don't know if I rented it I don't know if I bought it I, I don't I have no idea 
but I loved it the first time I saw it. Uh, and I think there were people that were kind of crapping on it even then, but I thought it was awesome. And, uh, the same memory problems that don't allow me to remember watching it probably kept me from remembering how different it was from the games. Like I knew it was different, but I, I don't know. Well, one, I didn't really give a shit. Like I, I, I was aware that it was different, but I wasn't going to sit down with a pen and paper and make a list of all the things that were different or like all the characters that were different or whatever the case was. I just thought it was an awesome, badass movie. How, how did you feel on your first viewing? I was extremely excited to see this movie. I know I saw it in the theater. I can't remember if I made Terry go see it or not because I think he did because he'll go see kind of any horror movie because he loves horror movies. I can't remember if he saw it with me in the theater or not, but I know I saw it in the theater. And I remember going, well, this isn't much like the game, but <laughs> okay. Okay, fuck it. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Because there weren't a lot of other zombie options at the time. You kids today don't know how good you have it with your plethora of zombie choices. A wealth of zombie choices. Unfortunately, the biggest of them is fucking terrible, but, you know. Oh, well, like the sci-fi channel's doing any better. Come on. No, no, they're not. I I, I <laughs> keep hearing praise for Z Nation, and I don't Oh, my God, I watched two episodes, it. and it was awful. Well, I have heard, I have been told that it, it got better. And, I don't uh, care. They do marathon, <laughs> right? Well, that's, garbage. that's how I should have felt. But uh, they do marathons all the time, so I was like, you know what? I'll give this a chance because I'd like to have a a fun zombie show to watch. And it was still just terrible. So you know, but but it's for the kids. It's not for us, Beth. We're 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 being Bro. aged out. <laughs> uh, so I I was super excited to go see it. I watched it. I loved it. You know, I had issues with things here and there. And it was a little silly in parts, and I don't like Michelle Rodriguez, as I've made clear in the past. Ugh. I so don't I understand you sometimes. I, I liked it when she died in Lost. That was my favorite part of Lost was when she died. Wow. You have a favorite part of Lost. <laughs> I was really into Lost. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, too, for a while. Everybody was at some point or another, whether they admit it or not. I know, season three. Until season three. Yeah, well, it was whenever uh, it was whenever it became clear that there wasn't that they were, going to be a payoff for the giant they were statue all dead, toes. Like we thought. <laughs> oh my gosh. Spoilers. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, first Resident Evil was was awesome fun. Uh, and the beginning part was so good. The beginning when the, the virus first spread through the hive. Yes. Was so good. The people trying to get on the elevator and the elevator breaking down, which was later ripped off by, I think it was Final Destination 2. When the woman gets her head chopped off by the elevator. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, I mean, Paul Anderson has a, a set of, of talents that I appreciate. Uh, he's very, very good at certain aspects of filmmaking and certain kind of, I guess, poppy films. And I, I like that. I like it. So, in 2004, Resident Evil was hugely successful, uh, despite people who didn't like the differences from the video games. It did very, very well, because it was essentially a low-budget horror movie. And in 2004, 
They released Resident Evil Apocalypse, which Paul Anderson produced, and Mila jo- M- Mia Jovovich, Mila Jovovich, whatever. Jamovich. Yeah, J- Jamoka, Jabroni, whatever. <laughs> uh, once again starred. And, and just to be clear, I think she is absolutely fantastic and, and has, with this series, like she is far her her acting and her abilities and her stunt work and everything else like she's transcended what this series really is i I think she's absolutely incredible but resident evil apocalypse came out she she is the uh sole returning star but this one is not directed by paul anderson he just produced it and uh, i think has a writing credit alexander witt directed Alexander Witt's credits consist almost entirely of being the second unit on Casino Royale and Skyfall. That's it. And And those came out after this movie. Correct. Resident Evil Apocalypse, for a long time, I really, really, really disliked. It used a lot of the bullshit action filming where there's a weird mixture of slow motion and shaky cam that just looks so amateurish and garbagey. Uh, and and she does those matrixy moves where she bends back and dodges bullets and and the <laughs> there's also the tone is just off. Rather than being high octane over the top action, which is what most of the movies are, they they kind of went a little goofy with it, like Mike Epps is in it making stupid jokes the whole time. Like, yeah, I wanted him to die. Don't lose your head, zombie! Okay. Like, shit like that. It's really bad. Uh, but, having watched the entire series again recently, uh, and I watch these maybe not quite yearly, but pretty frequently. Like, I've owned every single one of them, like... As soon as they come out on home media, I buy them. Uh, and I even upgraded to Blu-ray when they did the nice Steelbook uh, cases with uh, two movies ago. So, which infuriates me because the last movie, not the current one, but the one before it, uh, Retribution, didn't get a Steelbook release. So I have four Steelbooks, one regular Blu-ray case, and then whatever they decide to do with the final chapter when it comes out. But anyway, I own these movies. I watch them, what I consider frequently, uh, and would often skip Apocalypse. But now, I rewatched it recently and found there to be more good than bad, which surprised me greatly, believe me. Surprises me greatly. I Yeah, seriously. I Because I really hated it. But I think going back and watching it with with kind of more mellow eyes and wanting to like it more, uh, I still hate the things that I talked about. But overall, it's a pretty cool story, and there's some good stuff there. When's the last time you watched it? Probably within the last year. And I will say this. I don't, I shouldn't have to, as a viewer, want to like a movie. It's your job as a movie. (laughs) You're right. To make me fucking like you. You're right. I shouldn't have to want it. You should give it to me. It's not like we're, it's not like we're becoming friends here. It's not like we're becoming BFFs. It's not a give and take. 
Well, you I should make me like you. I agree with that, but when I when I say I wanted to like it, it's because it was so frustrating to me that one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six of these movies, and it was so frustrating to me that I liked all of the rest of them as much as I did, but did not like that one and then not even like didn't like it as much but outright disliked it so i went in with like surely there's got to be a way to slot this into like these movies because the problem is when i watch a, a film franchise i watch every movie and and some are good some you know some are maybe not as good depending on what fran like when i watch the star trek movies if i watch one i've got to watch all of them or all the original crew ones not let's not get into next generation uh, so if I'm going to watch a Resident Evil movie, regardless of which one I watch, I'm going to be like, oh shit, I got to watch them all now. So I wanted to find a way to like this one, and and I did this last viewing. Like I, I was like, okay, you know what? There, there's a bunch of cool stuff here that I dig, but you, you have not, you have no desire well, to reconcile that. I, I have tried. I, <laughs> I went into it wanting, also wanting to. Not wanting to, expecting to like it. Cause oh, I sure, loved sure. the first movie. Yeah. And I went in going, you know what? The first movie got shit reviews, but I don't care what reviewers say. I don't agree with those people. So right. they're not looking for the same thing I'm looking for. They hated the first movie. I love the first movie. They hate this new movie. I'm expecting I'm going to enjoy the shit out of this new movie. Right. And then I got there and went, what the, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's like somebody, as I've said before, somebody got mad. All the fanboys around the world got mad because it wasn't enough like the games. So they went in and they said, okay, well, we're going to make it more like the games. We're going to put the stars in there, and we're going to put Nemesis in there, and we're going to put Jill Valentine in there, and we're going to put Carlos and, and those other guys, and we're just going to throw everybody from the games we can think of in there. And that'll make the fanboys happy. But it did not make me happy. I don't care how many video game characters you put in there, you still have to be a good movie. Well, it didn't make anybody happy because all they did was shoehorn. And granted, we got some, we did get Oded Fair, uh, who I love, uh, made his appearance in the series. And, uh, as, as awful as Mike Epps was, and granted, he's not a video game character, uh, I feel like in the next movie, he redeems himself somewhat. Oh, um, I did not. Oh, interesting. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But the the biggest problem to me with Apocalypse was the tone. It felt like a different world than the first movie. It it just it felt like a stupid action movie. Well, is, at the end of the at the end of the first movie, you get Alice walking out of the hospital onto the streets of Raccoon City and the the paper flies past and oh, zombies are everywhere. And you're thinking, oh shit, this is going to be like the second Resident Evil game. This right. is going to be really intense. Right. And then you get to the next movie, and she spends the first ten minutes in the damn hospital, pulling wires out of herself. I don't give a fuck. Well, I mean, it it uh, it did essentially pick up where the first one left off. It's just where it went from there it wasn't super satisfying. And then you you meet these other characters that. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are we looking at these people? Who cares? But well, it's because they shoehorned in these video game characters. And then at the end, the least satisfying ending, 
So they they rescue her from I don't know how to say his first name Ian Glenn Ian Glenn Ian Glenn I don't know it, he's Sir Jorah or in uh, Game of Thrones yeah Jorah Sir Malmo. friend Sir friend zone <laughs> yes says activate Project Alice or program Alice and then her eyes turn all Umbrella Corporation logo and then that's the end. So you're expecting at the beginning of the next movie, what the fuck is Program Alice? We're going to see something awesome. Shit's going to go crazy. She's going to go nuts and kill everybody who's her friends. Nothing ever mentioned again. Well, but isn't it for the best that they just kind of left Apocalypse behind? Because Extinction, uh, I absolutely loved Extinction because I felt like it returned to the tone of the first movie it did something very different uh, in that it took us to the world like the shit was over. It was done. Uh, humanity was fucked. And now we're in this post-apocalyptic uh, sort of Mad Max type world, which at the time was a different and interesting thing to do with a movie. And uh, it's worth noting that this one, uh, Paul Anderson got writing credit and produced, but Russell Mulcahy directed it who on his resume are many, many, many music videos for artists like Duran Duran, The Buggles, Elton John, but he also directed Highlander and Highlander 2. Well, okay. And Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior. Never mind. I was about... (laughs) I, I was going to give him props for Highlander, but you said Highlander 2 and Scorpion King, so well, no. Highlander 2 can be blamed, uh, that one can be blamed on the studio, but Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior, that's no. on him. Is uh, that the one with Billy Zane? I think so. No, no, you you can't direct anything starring Billy Zane and get any street cred. Hey, hey, settle down. Phantom, slam evil. <laughs> No. Uh, but Extinction, that was I, terrible. I loved Extinction. I, I didn't care that it, it didn't really... Well, at the time, I don't even know how aware of it I was because I did not... Uh, the I didn't buy Apocalypse until they released the Steelbooks. And the only reason I bought it is because they were like 10 bucks a piece and they had all four of the first movies sitting there. And I was like, well, shit. I can't just buy these three. I, I'm too OCD with my movie collection to leave it out. So I'll buy it and give it another chance. So anyway, uh, I, I watched apocalypse in the theater the one time and hated it. So going into extinction, I don't even know that I remembered that well, because three years passed between those two movies that it didn't pick up like right at right where apocalypse left off. I just love the desert setting and that opening with, with, uh, Alice, where you don't know what's going on and then she dies you're like what is this what is happening and then you get the ditch full of Alice's outside this one just felt like okay we're doing something different it still feels very Resident Evil uh, you know inspired by the world of Resident Evil I guess is the best way to describe these movies and the action was great uh, Mike Epps toned down his corny bullshit uh, you you may still not have liked him, but I appreciated that he came off more as a real character that happened to be a funny guy as opposed to a clown. 
And th- this one was just full of some cool stuff. I dug the hell out of it. Did you feel like it was as much of a redemption as I did? Mm, okay. So there were things <laughs> I liked about it and things I didn't. I hate the fucking clones. Oh, really? Because, the, okay, so jumping well, ahead. Not, you don't like any of the other movies then. <laughs> exactly, jumping ahead. <laughs> How much money has the Umbrella Corporation put into clones and what kind of board of directors would approve all this money for all these fucking but, clones? But now we have those answers. No, not really. Yes. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. Um, so the clone, the clone madness, I'm not a giant fan of. And also the start of her having just too many fucking powers. She's, she blows up with her mind, blows up a giant flock of zombie crows. It was awesome. And it looked super cool and it was really well done. And it was still stupid. No, why was it stupid? Because she's, okay, to be believable, and yes, I'm saying believable in a zombie movie. So you're not even allowed to use that word discussing this franchise. Yes, I am. No. Because I need some vulnerability. I don't need an unstoppable zombie killing machine. Because that means that the hero is never in any real danger. She's going to get out of everything. Because... She can blow up zombie crows with her fucking mind. But she's married to the producer. But she's married to the producer. Don't we kind of know that anyway? Well, if you're suspending your disbelief, then no, you don't. Because (laughs) you're supposed to immerse yourself in the movie. And I'm trying to immerse myself in this movie. And then she can do anything she fucking wants. But not really. Everything with her mind. And then she just falls down. Well, but that's that's the thing, though, is that's what was interesting to me is, like, she didn't know what these powers were, what she was capable of. They took a toll on her every time she used them. Uh, And it was, like, to a certain extent, it it does fit in with whatever the fuck Project Alice was from the end of the last movie. Like, she doesn't know what's going on. Think about... If all of a sudden, and I mean realistically, think about if all of a sudden you found out you had the power to explode people. Like I would blow up everything. <laughs> I know you would. But realistically, it would be like, to me, this was an interesting way to present her, present her character uh, with things that were interesting in a narratively without putting her in harm's way because intellectually we know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put these thoughts together and using bigger words than are necessary, but <laughs> intellectually we know me is not going to die in this movie. So you've got to find something to like create a story for her character and I feel like what we've seen in these movies like this kind of makes sense because as it unfolds and like I said we know everything now as it unfolds 
she is essentially a creation of the Umbrella Corporation, and this is a thing that, as that bioengineered creation, she's experiencing. Like, and at the time, we didn't really know the extent of that, but to me, it, it was just, to me, it was character development. It, it was a, wow, now she's got to deal with this bullshit. Because but I even didn't... If you, even if you've never read a comic book in your life, at this point, you've seen the X-Men movies. They made her into Jean Grey. She can just do whatever the hell she wants with her mind, and it takes a toll on her and makes her crazy. But she's Jean Grey. They basically turned her into Jean Grey from the X-Men movies. Well, and that's, you know, uh, I I don't, I guess I don't have the problem with it that you do. I well, I, and it. I loved everybody else in the movies. Everybody else, or in this movie, everybody else was great. I liked Allie Larder. I know, I and did, she can be so hit or miss. Yeah. But she's been and hit that, in this franchise. That character that they named Kmart was stupid, but... Oded Fair. Fair. <laughs> liked him a lot in the last movie. Liked him in this movie. Yeah, he's yeah, always Mike, great. I, he's Mike one of those guys that shows up and you're just like, oh, it's him. Awesome. Oh, it's that guy. I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Mike Epps toned it down. He still wasn't great, but he toned it down. Uh, Wesker. Yeah. I don't really care for the guy playing Wesker. I, I don't mind Wesker as a character, but the the guy who's playing him does a little—he does a little too much talking like this, for my taste. <laughs> you don't like the supernatural talk. I I don't like the I need a throat lozenge. Talk. Or it's not even—it's not even supernatural. It's CW. Everybody on the every guy on the CW talks like <laughs> this very seriously. That's serious voice. That's I villain. To, I need to eat some breakfast. No, never trust anyone who talks like this. And then I'm going to work. And then I'm going to get <laughs> in my car. So uh, Every, everything else, uh, like I loved the rest of the cast. I loved the setting of it. I liked seeing Vegas buried in sand, kind of Fallout New Vegas style, because I love that game franchise anyway. Now, which so which I, came wait. first? Was did that game come out first or did this? Oh, I don't know. That's an excellent question. Um, I feel like the game came out I, first because I want to say, I want to say when they revealed the Vegas setting, it was kind of like, I've seen this. Like, is this directly ripping out? Uh, ripping out, ripping off. I'm trying to Google while I talk, and it's not. I am too. For me, Fallout New Vegas 2010. Yeah. So actually, Fallout uh, ripped off Resident Evil, which is. Somewhat surprising. So yeah, when the Fallout game Very. came out, I guess I was like, "Well, Resident Evil already did this." Uh, but either way, I, you know, a good idea is a good idea, and if you do a good enough job of ripping it off, nobody cares. Well, and I did. I, I enjoyed the zombie crows, actually, because I I liked in the games. I liked the zombie animals. Yeah, like I really wanted a zombie shark because the first game, or is it the first game? There's a game that has a zombie shark. I wouldn't that was that Code Veronica? I don't remember, but I remember battling a zombie shark and it fucking scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see. I like uh, particularly in video game related franchises because you got to do things to mix it up. I like it when you get more than just humanoid zombies walking around, and that's one of the things I love about Resident Evil 
is that they branched out beyond just zombie people and have all these crazy mutations and monsters and all this other shit. Which, I mean, you like I said, you have to do because it's a video game. But that's much more interesting to me. So there were a lot of things I liked about the movie. There are a lot of things I don't like about the movie. This is the one that's most frequently on TV because I don't know what buying discs of thing means. <laughs> I live in this digital world, and I don't know what it means to go buy a physical copy of things anymore, unless it's a video game. Uh, but it's on TV all the time, and I will watch it if it's on. Well, pretty much any Resident Evil movie when it's on. Yeah, and, and that's, fun, that's the funny thing. I, I, had some, I had some sticking points. The, this is one of those franchises where when they are on TV, I, I will, if I've got the time, I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to go put that disc in. Because I, I, commercials and censoring and whatever else drive me mm-hmm. fucking crazy. And if I, watch, if, if I own it, you know, I'm going to go put it in. No, no, watch Apocalypse on TNT or TBS or whatever it is that it's airing on all the time. I think it might be FXX. Because every time Mike Epps says bad motherfucker, they replace it with bad motivator. <laughs> which is hysterical because it could either mean you've got a problem with your droid. Right, right. Or this person is terrible at, at compelling me to do things. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Resident- so I, I actually recommend watching it. I, I I don't think I can do it. It drives me too. Cr- well, the commercials are the biggest problem. I, it drives me nuts. Uh, 2010, three years later, uh, we get Resident Evil Afterlife, which sees, uh, thankfully, Paul W.S. Anderson returning to the director's chair. And I this one was awesome. It, to a certain extent, brought it back to where the first one started in that they were in sort of a closed facility uh, and I just watched it the other day and I cannot now for the life of me remember exactly how she got there but she she ends up uh, in a prison with a bunch of prisoners and a couple of people who are not prisoners who have just taken refuge there and uh, this was before Walking Dead did it <laughs> uh, but it's uh, this one was great too I saw it in the theater I loved it immediately it was different and it was interesting to take it back inside in, into uh, a more closed environment. I did see it in 3D. And the 3D added nothing. So if you didn't see it in 3D, it missed you missed nothing. Yeah, I didn't. This was prior to my eye surgery. So at this point, I wasn't bothering seeing anything in 3D. So I, we didn't see this one in 3D. I, I have a friend who insists on seeing things during things in 3D, even though I hate putting 3D glasses over my regular glasses. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, how she gets to the prison is that she and Allie Larder are the only ones who escape from whatever mess they were in at the end of the last one. And they're, they're flying around L.A. and they find a group of survivors and they land on top of what happens to be a prison. Oh, do they start in the plane? Yeah, well, they they start with her finding Allie Larder, and it happens to be a huge amount of planes just laying around. Oh, that's around. right, that's right, and they just get in a plane and take off. That's why, yeah, 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 that's right, okay. You forgot it because it made no sense. Right, right. <laughs> they just happen to find a bunch of planes everywhere, 
where Allie Larder is, so they just hop in a two-person plane and they fly off to L.A. because they're looking for this magical safe place that doesn't exist. Right. But what I did like about it was the progression of the zombies, even though it wasn't well explained, because they went from regular zombies to the the infected people from Resident Evil 4. Right, right. Game. Los, Los Plagas. So, Los whatever. Plagas. So they're not really zombies, they're just infected with some kind of weird creature. Right, uh, they now have the mouth tentacle things. And it's cool, but... You know, you could have explained it a little bit or shown some more progression from... I, I give this franchise a lot of whatever space. Because Resident Evil. Yes, exactly. I like that they took away her powers. Yes. Wesker gave her that thing, what shot of something that took away her powers. So I liked making her a little bit more human and I really liked that they killed the clones. Because <laughs> the clones, they really bother me. I just feel like that's a bunch of unnecessary crap. And and the effects for as poorly rated and as poorly reviewed as these movies are, they make a fuck ton of money. So the effects just keep getting better and better and better. Yes. And if you look at the first movie, the zombies in the first movie, and compare them to the zombies in Afterlife, fucking night and day how much better they look in 2010 to 2002. Well, I, feel, I, like that, from, I feel like from Extinction on, the effects are as close to flawless action movie CGI as we get. Yeah, they're excellent, for especially for the quality movie you're getting. Right. But I, I like that they also brought Chris Redfield back to see his sister Claire again. And I like they kind of tied that video game story together, even though I wasn't really looking for a whole lot of video game tie-in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I enjoyed that they did it. Um, I did not enjoy the ending with Jill Valentine apparently being controlled by the Umbrella Corporation. It, it just seemed silly that they were going to go chase after her. Like, just why? Just let her go. Why? Why are we bothering? Just let her go wherever she's going to go. She's a badass. Let's leave her alone. But this was far and away my favorite since the first one. Up to this point. Okay, so Afterlife, we end. This is not the one that ends with the big ice fight, is it? Where the submarine pops up out of the ice. No, this one ends on the boat. No, this one ends on the boat with Joe Valentine in the umbrella. Right, right, right. Them. Yeah. And that is, that is the close of the movie. Uh, and Retribution opens where that one ended, which, which is, like, I don't think we've had that kind of continuity between movies at any other time in the franchise. Afterlife and Retribution, I think, follow each other more closely than, than any of the others do. Oh, uh, one and two, one and two pick up. I mean, the second one picks up right where the first one left off. Yeah, that's true, because we even get the replay of the, the hospital 
scene, even though they go off the rails after that. But yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, Retribution, I did see in 3D. As a matter of fact, it was the first 3D movie I saw and actually experienced the 3D because it was the year I got my eye surgery. And it was phenomenal. And I've seen a few 3D movies since then, uh, including the newest Resident Evil, and nothing else has even come close to to matching up to how good this one looked. Uh, so we open on the ship with Alice, a uh, big giant fight, plays in reverse, uh, just a beautiful opening. Uh, Alice gets blown out into the ocean and wakes up, uh, property of Umbrella. I don't remember the beginning of it that well. I do remember how much I liked this one. And, and yes, I had problems with it. And see, now I'm trying to think, because there's one one of the movies, and, and for the listeners, yes, this is just how insane, I guess, the plot lines are and how muddled some of these are. Is I just watched these a few weeks ago, and I'm already having trouble remembering what happened in which movie. Well, uh, this, to, this to me is the most confusing of the movies because it's all over the place. Well, and it's not bad. It's just all over the damn place with clones and different versions of different people. And Okay, so at the end of Extinction, is that where she finds all of the clones of herself? Um, I think so. I think that's where okay, the end she of gets Extinction. Her, her little clone army together. Yes, so so the end of Extinction is where she gets finds all the clones. The opening of Afterlife is where she's infiltrating Umbrella. And then they have the reveal that there's like 500 of her or whatever. Yes. Uh, and then Retribution, we open on the ship. But this is where... Where do we find out... Okay, Afterlife is where we find out that Umbrella has these simulators like around the world, like they're running zombie simulations or whatever? Yes. And then Retribution is the one... Where she gets caught by Umbrella and they put her... Or, I don't know if it's clone of her or not, but she gets caught by Umbrella and they put her in one of the zombie simulators because she meets two different versions of Michelle Rodriguez. She meets two different versions of Oded Fair. Right, and she's got a daughter. Yeah, the movie, this is the one that opens, I guess it opens with her getting blown into the ocean and then she, like, wakes up and she's a mom. Yeah. Okay, okay. And Oded Fair is her husband. Yes. Okay. And she's got a daughter who for and some then all reason of a sudden, is deaf. Yeah. And then the zombies or Umbrella or somebody busts in and... Well, there, there's a zombie outbreak. It's actually very reminiscent of the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. Because they're in suburbia so and like it just goes to shit. Yeah. 
So zombies bust in, and, and then Michelle Rodriguez pops up, but it's good Michelle Rodriguez, not evil Michelle Rodriguez, who comes in later, and it gets very, very confusing. Yes. Because there are good and bad clones of all the characters, except the little deaf kid. And we... Uh... Who she finds out is not her kid, but for some reason still cares. Right, right. Well, I mean, technically... I mean, she's maybe another clone or something. Doesn't it turn out she? I mean, she is made from her DNA, but she's not really. Uh, she's like her clones' kid or something like that. Yeah, but her clones are very expendable to her in the other movies. I, so that's true. I, that's very I, I true. You're right. That's a good point. So this one is uh, chaos, chaos, chaos. Uh, we get. They have to go to the various umbrella locations. It's like a hollow deck, right? But for zombies, because they just they just keep appearing in different locations. Because at one point she's back at the hive from the first movie, and and at one point she's in another place. She just jumps all over the place. Like every time she leaves a room, she ends up in a different location completely. And then we end with the whole gang. In Washington, D.C., under attack from flying zombie dragons and billions and billions of zombies, and they've met up with uh, Wesker. And Leon Kennedy and Ada Wong, which to me were really exciting additions to the cast, because if you're going to keep just throwing in people from the games, I want to see Leon and Ada. So, uh, Alice. But they didn't love too much. Alice runs into Ada in. Okay, it's in a big white room. See, I can remember. It's so funny. And, and for the listeners, you know, guys, these things have all melded together already. And I can remember very specific scenes, but I have no fucking clue which of the movies they were in. Because I remember her meeting Ada and then Wesker coming up. And uh, and there, here's here's another thing that's a continuity issue to me that I don't know that they've explained. So the Red Queen in the first movie, her directive is do not let this out into the real world. Human life is not important. Like within this facility, your whole directive is don't let this virus escape. Right. So she she has a job. She's neither good nor evil. She just has a directive. Because uh, she's s- a computer. Right, exactly. We don't see her again until... Is it Afterlife or Retribution? Well... Uh, I, I honestly don't remember. Like I told you at the beginning. I, I feel like it's Retribution. I'll try to run together. But the next time we see the Red Queen... Red Queen, she's murderous and evil. Yeah. Like, she wants to kill all the humans on the planet, and there that's it. But then in the final chapter, and I guess we're just going to have to jump around at this point, and perhaps this is the mistake I made in that listing these instead of just discussing them as a whole. Uh, but in the final chapter, she's we're all pals again. Yeah, and Let's she's save trying everybody, buddy. Yeah, she's trying to help uh, Alice 
overthrow Jorah Malmont, who I do but, like his the continuity of his character. But even in the first one, she said, "You're all going to die down here," and and it wasn't evil; it was just matter of fact. You're just, you're going to die. And, and now in the last one, she's well, I, I can make it all okay again. I'll make it better. Well, I think see that I can I can deal with because the the point of that pro of her as a program in the first one was to not let the virus out. Uh, it didn't have anything to do with curing the virus or anything else. It was just we can't let it out. Right, and, but, and I was fine with that. But then, oh wait, I can let the since the virus is already out, I'll just tell you about this, which I could have told you about at any point. Prior well, to and this. that's that's more my problem is the continuity between the last movie and this movie is what happened with the Red Queen, where she went from I have to exterminate everybody on the planet to now I can save them. Like we don't really have an explanation for that. Well, and it wasn't even safe. I, I've read a ton of things on the new movie, and it's talking about how the Red Queen is going to try and save everyone. There's no saving. Because the point of the antivirus is to wipe out everyone who's infected with the T virus. Well, right, which right, killing it's, them all. You're right. You're right. It's not saving. It's it's, uh, it's destroying it's, destroying the infected and giving the non-infected a chance. Right. Which is why which, I say saving because you are like the the people who are not infected are fucked. So she, I mean. Whether it's her intention or not, she is saving them. But I think uh, from whatever whatever I remember of the last one, there were only like 4,000 people left on the entire planet. There's not much to say. She could have started a little sooner. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the problem, is it? There, you know, as much as I enjoy the action and uh, the the general nonsense that these movies provide the overall narrative is ridiculous and inconsistent and you know clearly there was not a plan from the beginning but this came out in 2002 at a time where not every movie that came out was intended to be a franchise so it's unreasonable yeah. it's unreasonable to expect that there would have been a plan from the start now granted it's been executed fairly sloppily since then <laughs> but it's not like resident evil was released with the expectation that we would have five more movies and at the point where the first one made so much money that you knew like oh i got a cash cow here i'm going to keep turning this shit out you should start thinking long term you should start thinking like, okay, well, how is this, how is this all going to make sense? But should in two thousand four, should you? Because this is, you know, this is a horror franchise. How Hollywood is going to look at this thing in two thousand, you know, two thousand two, first one came out was a big success. They're probably looking at the second one as we're going to make another one and make a lot more money, and that'll probably be it. We'll be lucky if we make more money again. Like, even then, I don't think the frame of mind was we need to look long-term and find an ongoing story for these characters in this world. I don't think... Excuse me. I don't think 
that really started to come together until maybe Extinction, like the third movie, I think they sort of started laying more of a foundation for what future movies could be. Uh, and, and, you know, looking at the final four movies, which are, I mean, there is a story to all six of them, but the final four seem like they're executing it a little more tightly. And I say a little more tightly, acknowledging that it's still a mess. <laughs> well, I think it was after Retribution that I wrote my article when I was still a guest poster on NeedlessThings.com. I wrote my article asking for a reboot because it had just gotten too big, too out of control. Alice had too many powers that there was no way to rein it in at that point because it had just gotten too big, too silly, honestly. There, there was no way they could pull it back without rewriting the whole thing. Yeah, so and I, I, they, they had to keep going bigger and bigger and bigger because once Alice can blow shit up with her mind, I mean, what, what else are you going to do? You can't, you can't dial it back. Well, and they they did, took though. away her powers for a minute and everybody's like, well, but, but she's not a badass anymore. Okay, give her back her powers. Okay, well, she can kill everything. You you can't you can't take it down a notch. <laughs> but I see, I, I look at it a different way in that she had the powers, and you know, storyline wise, no, it's a bunch of fucking nonsense as to why they gave them to her, took them away, gave them to her, took them away. Uh, but I, I just don't care that much, I guess, because I enjoy her character and, and the, the franchise overall so much the, the little details, this is not a franchise where the little details get to me. Uh, and I find Alice to be more of a badass without powers because I, I love, you know, the running up walls and the, the backflips into a shooting two zombies in the head and then stat like all of that stuff. That's all, that's all great. That's enough powers for me. And it's hilarious to me that this is an unpowered Alice that does all this shit. Uh, She's a badass, but I don't care about her as a character at all until they give her a backstory at the very end of the damn franchise. Well, that's because you don't have a penis. I don't care about her as a character. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the heterosexual males watching this movie... Uh, you know, there, there's, there's no way around the fact that we, we, we feel for Alice's character because she is nice to look at. Like that's, okay, that's, I'm, that's enough of a basis to, to start from. I'm not from. saying, I'm not saying she's not hot and she's not a badass. <laughs> but that's not enough for you. That's not enough, uh, for you to care about her. Uh, but, As a but character. For, for the other half of the population, that is plenty of reason for us to be invested. That and her I, ridiculous uh, costumes throughout the franchise. Exactly. Uh, so I wanted to do a little more of a review of the final chapter, but unfortunately it's been like three weeks since I've seen it now. 
and and I just can't get as in depth as I could have if we could have managed to do this thing a couple of days after seeing it because uh, that was the original plan is that you and I were going to get together and talk uh, after we had both seen the movie, but you know now I, I really wish I could have seen it again before we did this, even though I don't particularly want to watch it again because as much as I hate to say it, I think my final diagnosis is that it kind of sucked. I don't think it sucked. Um, okay, so I saw it with four people, and two of those four people have seen, or two two of those people have seen every movie with me in the theater since, I think, Afterlife, I want to say. Okay. And Terry and Sharon fell asleep. <laughs> Not for long. But for a minute, sure. they all fell asleep. Sure. Um, and because it was just too fucking much action for them. Because the action <laughs> was so nonstop and it was so hard to keep up with. I I sat and, and counted. <laughs> I sat and counted a few times throughout the movie for several minutes at a time and it was rare where more than three seconds would pass without a camera cut. Yeah. It was fucking absurd. And I don't understand it because Afterlife and Retribution were both very much, uh, if, if you start from a place of thinking that Paul W.S. Anderson is competent at making high octane action movies, uh, both of those movies are very competent, high quality stuff. This one felt like it was directed by somebody else. It, it was a fucking nightmare to watch, I thought. If if I had not had a glass of wine in my hand, because hooray for movie tavern. Yes. If I had not had a glass of wine in my hand, I would have fallen asleep in the first five minutes, because the first five minutes is just recap. So if I don't know the story at this point, if I've never seen another Resident Evil movie ever, maybe I need that recap. But right. why? Right. And, why and would I pick up, why would I suddenly decide to get into Resident Evil movies at number six? I agree, and that was that was very tedious to open it that way, especially when none of the others have really done that. They just kind of throw oh. you into the action. Now, now, there might be like with the second one where they, they replay the final scene, but one, that's understandable because it's still a new franchise at this point, and two, they yeah. had to kind of tweak it to work into the story they were changing it to. Because it leads right into what they're doing now. Right, and it's the same but thing with uh, it was the same thing with Afterlife, where it opens yeah. with them on the ship. It's because the last one ended with the, the assault on the ship. But right. this one, yeah, the they recap of the whole fucking franchise. You're you're right. That was a snooze of an opening. And if I if I didn't remember everything that happened in the first five movies, guess what? Your five minute recap not gonna help me figure it out. Well, so and but we skip all of that. <laughs> that that is another issue with this one is that everything. You know, each of the other movies, I think if you're just a fan of action movies, you could kind of sit down and dig it. This one was so, because it was so into being the final chapter, it relied so much on the other movies that without that recap at the beginning, shit, I mean, let's look at how confused we are about what happened in which movies and what's going on. 
it's understandable but, that they thought a the recap, recap would be necessary. Didn't help that. <laughs> no, it didn't, and it didn't. It didn't help explain the narrative of this movie. Uh, and, and there were very cool things about it. I, I thought uh, Jorah Malmont was Sir, awesome. Sir Prince. Yes, I thought he was awesome. I loved watching him be just over the top ridiculous evil in this one. Uh, but my gosh, the, the camera work was just shit. And I, I know I've already said that, but it just drove me the, or not the camera work, the editing was yeah, just because, horrible. Well, not even the editing, but the camera work and the effects in general, because everything happened so fast. Well, it was back and there to were, the same the kind of were all so fast that you couldn't even keep up with what was happening. Well, it was the same kind of bullshit trickery that that we saw in the second movie where when there was a fight, the the camera's shaking around and there're so many cuts that you can't really tell what's going on. It's it, it was just if they had a fight choreographer on this movie, they just butchered everything that he did because there was no point. Like I could film a fight scene that looked like this. With, with and, no and practice that, at all. I, uh, the other person I saw with who didn't fall asleep, Rich said, "Oh, but it explained everything. It answered everything." Well, it didn't no, answer. It didn't. No, it didn't answer. It didn't everything. answer. It didn't answer anything I wanted answered. The fact that the Red Queen is really Alice—that's uh, stupid. No, see, I liked that. I, I liked. Uh, and I, I understand not everybody will. I dug the fact that she was the daughter of the guy that developed it. He developed it to try and save her life, and that the the program was based on her. Like it's 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 fucking corny bullshit. But this is science fiction we're looking at, and in this, but, it for for the nature of this franchise, uh, that worked for me. I, I liked. On honestly, the things that I wanted to know were why didn't we pick up right at the end of the last movie? Because I care about Leon and Ada right. as characters. So what the fuck happened to them? We get some kind of random explanation from the Red Queen. They were betrayed by Wesker. Well, well, why didn't we get to see that? Alice even says that the once we're past the recap, Alice says it turns out Washington, D.C. was a setup. Which is fucking bullshit, because if you go back and watch the end of Retribution, there's no setup there. They're all being attacked, all right. at the same time. Right, that that was that was nonsense, uh, and, and it's kind of ridiculous that they didn't figure out a better way around that. You you know what you could have you could have cut out the five minute intro and shown what happened to those characters. And how were they were betrayed, whatever way they were betrayed. And I would have been a lot more satisfied. And and these are the things that make people shit on this franchise. And I understand it. I totally get why people disregard this entire franchise for things like that. But to me, uh, yeah, I, I recognize it. I just don't care because I like seeing hot chicks in leather hop around and cut zombie heads off. And I like seeing ridiculous things like gigantic whatever those tanks were that they were driving around in with the guy tied up behind them to lead a zombie horde like if your concepts if your individual concepts are dazzling enough I can get past a lot of narrative inconsistency 
I I enjoyed it for its non-stopness because it really did not stop. Like yeah. once you get past that boring five minutes of opening crap, it does not stop. And it's funny. Like, I I wanted to go to the bathroom at one point, and I couldn't find a good place to go to the bathroom because right, the shit just kept happening. And and that's the thing that makes me the angriest about this one is that if it had been shot and edited in a different way, I think it would have been really awesome. But it was so the the it was so distracting to watch that I, I just couldn't really get into it like I wanted to. Uh, and at this point, it's funny the mushiness of this franchise because I'm already uh, some of the scenes like where where they're in the facility and the big giant fan is uh, sucking them out. I'm already like, wait, was that in this one? And then I remember that annoying Ruby Rose person was in that scene, and I'm like, oh yeah, this this is that one. Oh, see, that's where Terry checked out because he has a man crush on her. I uh, I find her annoying. Like, really annoying. I don't get the fascination with her. And apparently she's in another movie that's coming out soon. I thought it was out now. I can't remember what it was, but I thought she was in one of the, like, the Triple X or yes, one of it. those that's kind it. of movies. That's it. Yeah. She's, in, she's in the new Triple X, which I, uh, you know. I have I, no desire to see, but. I'll watch I it. I hear she's in. I'll watch it at some point, but it won't be in the theater. It'll be for free. So actually, wait, no, I've never seen one of those movies ever. I won't see that. Don't don't bother with the second one. The first one's fun, but but I don't oh. know. You, you you, it's probably not for you. <laughs> uh, I liked seeing old Alice pop out of the thing, even though it was telegraphed very like from the beginning of the movie, really. But uh, I dug it. I liked it, and the makeup, whether it was makeup or CG or whatever they did to make Mila Jovovich look old. It looked great. Like it didn't take me out of the movie. Um, I, I just I, I would say I enjoyed this a lot more than the last several movies. Wow! I, I actually, I mean, I liked it. I I mean, I liked the story. I loved the story of it, of the whole thing. Visually, it was just I, I hated it. I hated. I enjoyed Visually, going along it was with very confusing. Uh, yeah, I I just I was really bothered by it. Um, and, and again, maybe I'll revisit it because I'll, I, you know, I'll for sure buy it when it comes out. Uh, but it had more, it had more story than Apocalypse or Extinction or Afterlife. I mean, the story was much more interesting than any of those other movies. Yeah, and I loved, uh, I loved the flashing back to, to the original scientist. I can't remember his name, uh, and, and really doesn't matter. Al, Alice's dad. Uh, I loved seeing that stuff and kind of how everything went wrong with the Umbrella Corporation. Uh, but, but my gosh, you just can't have a cut every three seconds. Uh, it's, it's, uh, bothered the shit out of me. And, yeah, and maybe, it was, it was poorly edited. Maybe now that I know it's like that, next time I watch it, it won't bother me as much, but I don't know. It was, it was pretty bad. Uh, so let's, I didn't say that we were going to do this and, uh, I don't. Well, yeah, no, I don't want to go down and rate them all or or rank them or whatever. Uh, just, just out of the, out of all six movies, do you have one that stands out to you as your favorite, or the one that you feel like, oh, I could watch that more often than the others? The first one is the only one I own, 
and it's the only one I'm going to own. <laughs> I still love the first one, but the the effects are very dated at this point. I don't even care. It's it's just yeah. a good movie. No, no, I know, I know, and I still love it, but I've got to say for having its own personality, for standing out and for for being one that I can look at from beginning to end in my mind and know, oh, it's that one, uh, Extinction, the third one. I but think see, I I can't do that with that one. Oh, see, to me, that one stands out as as being its own sort of contained narrative that that I I really out of all of them, I think it's the one that I'm most likely to just pop in and watch. But I don't. It doesn't bother me that she has superpowers, so that's my thing. It it doesn't bother me that she has superpowers. Oh, it bothers I, I you, just, Beth. Okay, bothers me a little. But <laughs> the first one, it's so original, it's so different, and especially if you look at it from the time, it, it's still so unique and so different than any other zombie movie that had come out at that point. Yeah, and it's still watchable. I don't care if the effects are dated, like you said, with the video game franchise. It doesn't matter if the, the polygons don't look right or things don't look realistic. It pulls you into the story. And that's what the first one still does for me. The rest of it, not so much. Yeah, and I, I'll agree. I, out of, you know, the first one is, and as it was intended to essentially be, like, yes, the ending left it wide open for a sequel, but it was, you know, here's this movie, it's a new thing, see what you think. And, and I'll agree, it is, uh, from the entire franchise, it is outstanding as the one that c- kind of broke the most ground and set the tone uh, for all but one of the following movies. But <laughs> <laughs> overall, Resident Evil, uh, it, it's like any franchise, as big as it is, has some good and has some bad, but I, I will always love it for not just for being zombie oriented, but for how much further both the movies and the video games have gone with the concept of the zombies, where the infection came from. Because if you, if you look at everything as, as the various narratives within, it's really confusing, but at the basis, it's still somebody was trying to develop this thing to help humanity, and it got corrupted. Like, that's still at the core of every Resident Evil story. And that will always be interesting to me. How do you feel about the franchise sort of as a whole? I would go as far as to say that it is as iconic as George Romero's series. There's a bold statement, but I would agree with that. I know, but... Culturally, I would think that you would find even more people who know Resident Evil between the movies and the video games and that horrible anime stuff that they do. You would find more people who know Resident Evil than you would find No Night of the Living Dead at this point. I completely forgot about the animated ones, and I watched one of those, and I really liked it. I've seen two or three of them, and I liked them all, even though they've all gotten terrible reviews. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, we, well, we don't have enough time to go into any detail Nine. on those. But 
Uh, yeah, I, I dug the one that I watched. All right. So Resident Evil, absolutely legendary. Uh, at, at this point, it's interesting that it hasn't had more impact on zombie culture, but we, we still, uh, so Romero is still sort of the guiding force of, of zombie pop culture. And, and that's just how things are. Uh, which uh, is a whole other podcast, I think. Beth, thanks for coming on and talking about hardcore zombie action. Thanks for having me yet again for more hardcore zombie action. It's always a good time, and uh, we will be talking to you again sooner than later. Indeed. As I mentioned at the beginning uh, of uh, my chat with Beth, I was uh, this was recorded like a month ago, or, or whenever the newest Resident Evil movie came out. We recorded it back then, but then a couple other things came up uh, that needed to happen. The, the interview with Buddy, uh, and it just pushed this one back a little bit further, just because that kind of thing happens sometimes. Because this, but this was originally supposed to coincide with the release of Resident Evil, and it just didn't work out that way uh, because I, I was sick, like I said, and another thing happened. Another thing, I. I technically feel like I've been sick since like the beginning of the year like even now I don't feel like I'm entirely up to snuff and I probably could have gone to the doctor but at no point was I debilitated and, and normally I'm like okay time to go to the doctor I, I've got a little sniffle because I don't want it to get any worse but I mean honestly I just it, it was it was just kind of a sniffle and uh being kind of t- more tired than I normally am. And I've had a lot going on. As you will know, if you listen to the Needless Things patron cast at supportphantom.com, because over there I get a little more personal, a little more behind the scenes. I show you what's going on behind the mask, sometimes literally. So that's what's happening there. So check out supportphantom.com if you want to know, uh, if you want a little more biographical stuff, I guess, and, and not just... Uh, all the, the hot poop about the newest mad balls that have come out. Okay, so thank you to the mysterymenofsurf.com and the mystery men, my pals, who provide our interstitial music for the show. Thank you to lacesexoflex.com, who provide the theme music and the music that you are listening to right now, which is technically the same track, just done very slightly differently for the purposes of my little show here. And thank you. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.